Amen. So glad to have you with us this morning. If you're a visitor, my name is Matt, and I get to serve here as pastor. Am I on? Yeah? Yeah, I'm good. All right. Um, I just want to start out and say a number of you, like I'm kind of confused because a number of you have approached me this morning and wished me condolences for something that apparently happened in some game last night. And like maybe you're confused, uh, but my favorite team won last night. Like uh, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, in the NBA are just doing incredible. They, they're, they're 32 and 5. We got Giannis, we got Chris Middleton, we got the Lopez brothers. We're, we're just tearing it up. I don't know what you guys are talking about. The only thing that I could think of is maybe like you thought that I was a football fan or something like that. I don't, I don't know. Do, was there a football game last night? I don't, I don't even remember. Anyway, uh, but so I'm glad we got that cleared up. I'm, I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan. And that's it. We'll just leave it at that, okay? Good. And if you're Eagles fans, I hope you have a horrible day today, okay? Good. Um, now, we're, we're, uh, we're in the series that we called Unwrapped, and I was thinking about this this morning when I was looking at that image up there. Um, do you remember, like, when you were a kid, the excitement of opening the first present on Christmas morning? Just like the anticipation, you've seen, seen the present, you're looking at it, and your parents finally give you the go-ahead to open it up. Do you remember just the joy of trying to open it? And, and then do you remember how quickly whatever it is that you open lost its luster? Like even with my kids, my kids, we haven't, they haven't even had presents for, what, maybe 10 days now they've had presents? And, uh, and still, they're walking around the house and they're like, I'm bored. I'm like, Are you're bored? We just spent like $400, so you weren't bored. Like this, this should have solved at least two months of boredom for you. Go take it out. Go, like, I'm, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to put it on Facebook Marketplace if you cannot have fun with it again. That's, that's what I'm going to do. Because we, we are so quickly over what is exciting and what's new to us. And man, this is where the scriptures come back with this idea. In the book of Lamentations where it goes, the mercies of God are new every morning. Like so for us not to ever lose sight, let the luster of what God has blessed us with in reality, let it lose a place of just joy and anticipation that we wake up every morning with this awe of how great and how incredible God is. That's why we started this series at Christmas Eve and then moved it after because we wanted to continue to unwrap what it is about Jesus, and specifically some of the things that we see in his becoming a man that just allow him to connect with us, allow him to relate with us in a way that is absolutely amazing for us to go, yeah, God God became a human. And that should amaze us more than one day a year. Right, so Unwrapped, we're looking at it. This morning we're gonna look at probably one of the most overlooked characteristics of of God. Um, And I think it's probably because we're so poor at this one ourselves that we just don't think about it in general. And that, that's patience. And patience is just, man, it's fleeting in our society. Like, I, I don't know if you realize this, but patience is, like, I, for me personally anyway, 30 years ago I was far more patient than I am today. And I was eight years old then, so that's a big deal. But I was thinking about this because the other day I was working, I was actually working on the sermon, I was looking up some stuff, reading some articles on patience online, and uh, it took all of three seconds for the website to load. Three seconds. And you know what I'm thinking? Hey, something's wrong with our internet. Because somebody fixed that, I just had to wait three seconds to find this article. And can, can you imagine 30 years ago, 
If somebody would have told you, if you were alive 30 years ago, uh, if somebody would have told you that 30 years in the future, you'll have the ability to look up almost any piece of information in the whole world, and if it takes longer than three seconds, it'll drive you crazy. Can you imagine? You'd be like, no, no, that, that would never be true. Now, I could wait like a week because back then you'd have to go to the library. You'd have to research. You'd have to read through the whole book. Can you imagine doing that, right? You'd have to look through it all. But now, now we're in a society where if we don't have it instantly, man, it drives us crazy and we've got to do something else to fill the void. I was at, in line uh, getting gas at, at Costco. Costco, by the way, should pay me because I think I, refer, I reference them just about every sermon. <laughs> Uh, but I was in line to, to get gas at Costco, and I'm waiting, and I'm like, what can I do? What can I do while I wait? You know, uh, and then, like, I'm, I'm fueling up, and I'm like, what am I going to do? All right, I'll clean my truck. I'm going to get all the, the trash out, and then I get that done. And I'm like, man, this is taking forever. Like, th- there's just this reality where in our culture, uh, w- we've gotten used to things happening so quickly that patience has eroded. I was reading an article from uh, James Haskett, who's a professor at Harvard, Harvard Business School, and he wrote an article saying, basically uh, calling into question the idea of what's happening to our patients. What's happening to our patients? Where he, he writes that we engineer, we engineer our lives so that they are always busy to satisfy a clock that's ticking in our brain. And so this is why we're so prone to multitask, because we just don't want to have time where we're not doing anything. And he quotes one reader who who says that we don't know what to do with our spare time, so we kill it. And it's so true. And like studying and preparing for this, and I knew we were going to preach on this for about three weeks now, and I'm thinking, man, it is so hard to have spare time and have nothing to do and to be okay with it. And really what his point is, as he writes this, is that we cope with the passing of time instead of appreciating it. We cope with the passing passage of time instead of appreciating it. We just can't appreciate time for its own sake. And I was thinking about this, and, and the reality is that time, that busyness, the busyness robs us of the ability to enjoy time for just time itself. And, and so, like, I came up with an acronym. You won't find it up here because this literally just happened this morning. I was like, we were going to move past this point quickly, and God just kept, kept, I was being stubborn. Like, I wanted to, to move past this point to get to the rest of the stuff, and God was like, no, we need to camp out here a little bit. And so, j- an acronym to help you understand how we can rob it back, all right? So, at time, rob, busyness robs us of the ability to, to enjoy time, so we're going to rob, rob it back, robs, R-O-B-S, back. All right. So the first one is, is when you don't know what to do and, and you're trying to kill spare time, three, four things for you, okay, are I, I want you to relate to people. Like just figure out how you can connect with them. And maybe it's calling somebody up or maybe it's sending a message to somebody or maybe it's just sitting down and sparking up a conversation with somebody. But the ability to relate with somebody else because we can't relate if we're just killing time. We're just moving on to the next thing. The second one is, so we, so we relate, the second one is to observe because we don't just stop and look around. I, I uh, went to the back window this morning and I looked out and I was looking at the sunrise coming up, which I'll be honest, most of the times I just ignore it. And I was looking at the sun coming through, the, the sunlight coming through the trees on the, on the horizon there with the silhouette, you know, all, all just kind of lit up against the dark trees. And I was looking at that thinking, man, people have written some of the most incredible poetry 
in the history of the world about scenes just like that. And I overlook it because I don't observe. I don't, I don't slow down. And that we would then bask. So there's your B, all right? I got kind of creative with these. So ra- r- relate, observe, bask. Bask that you would just enjoy what God has made. Celebrate who he is. Mercies are new every morning. You're not going to run out of, in the rest of your life, the opportunity to give thanks to God for something. That we would just bask in what God has blessed us with. You know, for me, just sitting down and saying, well, I've got a wife who is incredible. I've got two boys who are just a world of potential in front of me. That we would bask in what God has given us. And, and S is this one, is serve. If you're bored, just find something to do. Find somebody to serve. Make, make, if, look, if you're at the point where you've got to kill time, a much better use would be to find a way to make somebody's life easier. Guys, do the dishes, right? Clean up some trash or, or vacuum or whatever we can do to serve. Don't just kill time. Make the most of it. Because my fear is we're going to get to the end of life and we're going to regret something that we can't get back. And that's how we used our time. Uh, so, so then we have this idea of patience, which is, to me, it's not, it's not just waiting. It's not just passing time. But it's enduring. It's enduring well. Because sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's annoyance. Sometimes it's the ability to have something or someone or a situation or a circumstance just bug you like crazy. And, and we've been talking about this idea of how when we look at love, which we talked about on Christmas, or mercy, which we talked about on Christmas Eve, we, we see that mercy is a good thing, and we see all of its goodness in Jesus Christ. And then we looked at love, and we said love is a good thing, and we see all of the goodness of love in Jesus Christ. And the same is true with patience. We see patience is a good thing, right? It would be good for you to have a patient spouse. It would be great to have a patient boss. It would be awesome to have a patient neighbor. Patience is a good thing. Why is it? See, we've got to be patient right now. Yeah. <laughs> patience is a good thing, but why is it good? Why is it good? And I think we see its goodness fully in Jesus Christ. Because you think about it, the second that he becomes a person is the very first second in all of history that he's required to wait. He's required to wait. He has to wait for his mother to feed him. He has to wait for his dad to get home to help him out. He has to wait to have his diaper change. He has to wait in line. He's got to wait at the end of his life. He's got to wait at a rigged trial to hear the verdict. He's required to wait. And we see in Christ what I think is the most incredible patience. I, I want us to actually look at a passage where the Apostle Paul is reflecting on the patience of Christ, not just in general, but specifically directed towards himself. So check it out with me. First uh, Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. It says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, um, we come to you pretty weak in this area for the most part. It's really easy to want things to happen on our time. We want it to happen when we want it to happen, and we certainly don't like to have to wait around for it. 
God, we get stuck in traffic and we get annoyed. We have to tell our kids something for the 15th time and it drives us crazy. Or Lord, we're just dealing with somebody who doesn't listen to us. And, and God, I pray that you would strengthen us to have mercy or uh, patience like the patience that you have towards us. In your son's name we pray, amen. The Greek, uh, Greek language would have two different words for, for uh, patience. The one that it references in 1 Timothy is this, uh, is this word makrothumos. Makrothumos is a combination word, right? So it's a compound word. Macro meaning large or long, and thumos meaning anger. So it's long anger. It's really uh, the best way that I can, I can depict it for you is, is, do you remember cartoons when they would have one like a bomb and they'd light a fuse? And, and you know, sometimes a fuse would be like, you know, a mile long as, as the other cartoon characters try and put it out. Macrothumos is this idea that you have a long fuse. It takes, it takes you a lengthy amount of frustration and annoyance and prodding to get to the point where you, you are frustrated to the, to the place where you blow up that you would have a long fuse. Did you, ever, did you ever have somebody just really annoy you intentionally? I was a camp counselor for like eight years of my life, and that, like, that's basically what camp counseling is, is you are letting about 50 people annoy you all week long, and then you never get to see them again, and, and so you move on. I remember one kid who was by far the most annoying kid that I've ever interacted with. If you somehow are, I don't remember his name, so if you ended up at this church, like forgive me, I've, I've forgiven you in my heart, so if you could just forgive me, we'd be cool. Um, but this kid, you know what he would do? He would get behind me in the food line, okay? Which, number one, you don't mess with me in the food line, all right? I'm there to do something, and yeah. And he, you know what? He would stand behind me, and this is what he would do. He would poke me right in the back of the ribs. And he would just do that as he was having a conversation because he knew, he knew it would annoy me. Three meals a day, five days a week, just poking me in the back. And I'm a counselor, so I can't just like pick him up, and I, I'm sorry, I'm a Christian counselor, so I can't just pick him up and throw him in the lake. And, and, and I'm just, man, it just wears on you. And I was probably poked in the back. I, w I would guess somewhere between 800, 1,000 times. It's not like I counted or anything, um, but just again and again. And you know what happened? The last meal of the week, I got behind him in line. And he turns around, and he looks at me, and I just, I just smile. And I go, poke. And he, and he looks at me, and he's kind of like, what are you doing? And then I poke, and I keep doing it. And you know what? I'm smart. I got two hands. Poke, 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 <laughs> poke. And he's looking at me like, what are you doing? You're not allowed to do this. You're the counselor. And I'm like, it's not so fun, is it? Right? Like, it's not fun anymore. Ha! Because you know what happened at that moment? The fuse reached the bar. And I blew up. And I was done. That's, that, that's what patience is. The ability for just it to keep going and for there not to be the explosion. For you to do something else with your anger. Something else with your frustration. Patience is this. Is you have the right. You have the opportunity. And you have the resources to avenge your annoyance. And you don't. You have the right. You have the resources. You have the opportunity to avenge, and instead of, instead of avenging, you restrain yourself. You could get even. You, you could get back. You could punish them. You could blow up, but instead, instead you restrain. I mean, this, is, this, is, this is a refreshing characteristic in a spouse, 
If you're single and you're looking for somebody who is a great spouse, this would be an awesome one because you're probably going to mess up a bunch. And for them to forgive you and be really patient would be a huge blessing to you. If you're looking for a, a job and you could somehow find out how patient that boss is, you'd be really wise to work for a patient boss. How incredible is it that this is God? This is describing God himself who under no obligation chooses to be patient towards us. Unwrap that. Enjoy that. That God has chosen to be patient the fuse just keeps going and never blows up. How incredible is that? Paul, Paul, in his mind as he writes this, he's the canvas. He's the sketch. The word, the word there is actually that, that he is a sketch of God's mercy or God's patience. That God, God has drawn on, on a blank canvas his, his amazing, beautiful demonstration of patience in the life of Paul. That, that he's the first sketch, and God's going to keep drawing it again and again and again. So that in this room, everybody who, who follows after Jesus Christ, who says, I believe that you've died on the cross for me and resurrected from the grave to give me the hope of life after death, you become a sketch of the patience of God. That we collectively, first service and second service, that we as a church, Susquehanna Valley Church, we are just a story of, of 200, 250 sketches of patience of God. That we display something incredible about who God is and what, what he has done and how he has chosen to relate and interact with us. And so what Paul, Paul then says is that, that he is the example of the patience of God. He's the, example, he's the example in two ways. And the, the first way is this, is, is that he's the example because he's the patience we receive. we receive. We receive mercy and we receive patience the same way that Paul does. Paul calls himself the prototype. He's the protos. He, he's the example of it all. He's the type of person that Jesus Christ is willing to be patient with. Now, usually when you think of a prototype, you think of the ideal. You think of the guy who has it all together, the person who, who perfectly demonstrates what you want to see. Paul here actually uses some, some oxymoron uh, linguistic stuff where he goes, I'm the example because I'm the worst. Like, I'm the prototype because it couldn't get any worse than me. I mean, Paul, Paul's the guy who, who hated the church, who killed to stop the church from spreading, who had a passion, a life to, to keep Jesus Christ from being preached. And he's going, God had patience and mercy on me. I'm the prototype here. Because the idea is if that's the standard, Paul's going, if he could have patience on the worst, man, what, what kind of sketch could he draw on the rest? What kind of story could he do with the rest? If, if, if Paul could claim God's patience here, anyone could. As he writes, he writes with, with words and with, with a style that, that really is the Greek, uh, the, the goal is to express the idea of perfection and completion. In fact, when it says immense patience of God, really it says the total patience of God the utmost patience of God, the, the endless patience of God. 
And so the prototype is this. An endless God with endless patience. And we are the endless recipients of it. He's an endless and eternal God with endless patience and we are the endless recipients of it. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, God has never done something out of impatience towards you. Not once. He's never been so annoyed that he's reached his breaking point. He's never lost it on you. He's never just got fed up with you and blown up. And what Jesus Christ has given us in becoming a man and living and dying on the cross is, is he's become the standard, the standard of what patience looks like. To be able to endure fully everything, everything that being a human would entail. And then he takes that and he looks at Paul and he says, I'm gonna save you. And Paul, can't even, Paul can take zero credit for this. And Paul's just walking along the side of the road and Christ visibly shows up before him. He's like, you're saved. Like, you, 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 you've been preaching against me and, and it's done. I'm real. You're not against me, you're for me. And Paul goes, man, if he can be patient towards me, if he can save the worst, if he can rescue the furthest, he can rescue anyone. Daniel Ariccia, who writes about this passage and how to translate it in other, other language, he says basically what's going on here is that if Christ can save the worst of sinners, then he can save and does want to save any sinner. If he can save the worst, then he can and wants to save anyone. Have you ever considered the idea that he delights at being patient with you? That he just enjoys not blowing up at you? Man, what? How refreshing is that? And we think about terms in terms of if that was our parent, how great that would be. This is God. It gets no better than this. So then if that's the implication, then the example is not just an example that we look at Paul and we go, wow, that's awesome. But then the example is that we would follow the example. That we ourselves would become patient people. That as we enjoy and, and just love the patience of God that it would begin to show up in our lives and, and through our lives so it becomes the patient that, patience that we, we demonstrate as well. And so question for you, uh, when do you struggle to be patient? I'll give you a second to think about that. No like nudging your spouse and whispering, okay? When do you struggle to be patient? Um, I, I was thinking about this for me, you know, the part, one, one of, this, is so, this is so stupid, but one of the things is when I get in the car, I want the kids to like immediately get in the car and have their seatbelt buckled by the time I turn the ignition. To the point where my kids are like, Dad, I don't have my seatbelt buckled, don't go yet. And I'm like, well, you better buckle up. And like, why is, why is not my response, well, I better not drive. <laughs> like, why, why is it the other one? Because I'm wanting them to be on my schedule. I'm wanting them to work according to me instead of me working according to them. And man, it's, you know what? This is, like, man, there are things in our life. They just really frustrate us. Like nails on the chalkboard. Like, are you, maybe you're not annoyed by nails on the chalkboard. You know what really is the sound for me that drives me crazy? don't do this. See, what happens is I tell people about this, and then they do it, okay? 
Look, I love you. You shouldn't do that kind of stuff, all right? Dirty erasers on a chalkboard. Like, not, like the nails on the chalkboard, I, just stop. You know, that's, that's somewhat annoying. But if you take like a really dry, really dirty race, uh, like chalkboard eraser and then you try to erase something, ah, that, that sound just drives me crazy. Ah, maybe, maybe I'm weird. I probably am. But that drives me crazy. The car, the seatbelt, drives me crazy. Repeating myself for the 10th time drives me crazy. Thinking somebody else is going to do something because we talked about it and they don't do it drives me crazy. And these are times when it's difficult for me to have patience. Three types of patience that I've learned are difficult for me. The first one is interpersonal patience. Interpersonal patience. So how do you respond when you're annoyed by another person? So you've got to, like, it, you, your well-being or your your happiness is somehow contingent on the person around you, um, and they just get under your skin. And maybe it's not even the person. Maybe it's just a character flaw. Like if you grew up around manipulation, then when you see manipulation somewhere else, it's going to drive you crazy. Like if you, if you grew up with somebody who's always like an Eeyore and always down on themselves, man, man that's probably going to be the thing that just, re- that character flaw. These are interpersonal patience struggles for us. And then there's what we'll call task patience. This is probably the bigger one for me. Task patience is, is how do you respond when a task is, is interrupted or stopped? Like if you're trying to get something done, you're cooking and you know something else keeps happening or um, you're, you're driving and then you've got a traffic jam in front of you and you're just trying to get something done and the task is being interrupted. The project isn't get, getting done the way that, that you want it to get done. There's a task and it's just not happening. Or the other one, which is really, I think, honestly, if we're being real honest, is the toughest is what, what we'll call a season, season of patience. Where you've got an injury, where you're just battling some depression, or you're struggling and, and you, you maybe you're out of, job, out of a job and you're not sure what's next. And you can't really just move past it. You can't just check your phone and get back to life. You're stuck in it. When I, when I looked at these three, um, I was like, man, I am not a patient person. I thought I was, but then when I broke it down, it was like, man, I, I, need, I need help here. And it really was me going, just God, I need your help. I, I want to be as patient, patient with my kids as you are with me. I want to be as patient with my staff as you are with me. Because I, I don't want to be that short fuse. It's in part a recognition that we can't influence the circumstances the way that we would like, and therefore, we either adjust or we have our desire crushed. It's this recognition that, that I'm not able to influence life. I'm not able to get what I want the way that I want, and I either adjust to that or I, I, let, that, I, I let that fuse hit the bomb, and, and I blow off. And that might not be a display of anger. It might be a retreat from the person a punishment by distance away from them. We, we have our response, whatever it is. I give myself probably a C minus on these. I, I just, I don't want that to be the case. And really as I prepared for this, what became true was I began to value patience more than I valued getting my way. I began to see in the scriptures just this loftiness of patience. 
and how it's better to be a patient person than to be a person who just gets what they want all the time. And and so just uh, a couple of Proverbs I want us to look through quickly where Solomon in the book of Proverbs is compiling this information that he wants to pass on to his kids to say, hey, this is wisdom, like live this way. And one of these these themes that he keeps coming up against again and again is patience. And so, so three things about patience from Solomon, and one is, is kind of the result of those three. Three things. Um, the first one is this, is that patience is a sign of power. It's a sign of power. And what he's doing is he's increasing its value in his kids' minds. Proverbs 16, 32. Better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who takes a city. That it's better and more difficult to rule your own heart than it is to rule a city. Better and more difficult to rule your own heart than it is to rule a city. You see how he's making it lofty? He's saying, he's saying, guys, this is an incredible thing. If you can be a patient person, you are a person with tremendous power in life. Second one is this, is that patience is a sign of wisdom. It's a sign of power, it's a sign of wisdom. Whoever is patient has, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Whoever's patience has great understanding. I read the scene, uh, the scripture, and you know what scene from scripture came to my mind? The scene with Jesus and Pilate. And really you could go all through, all of Mark 14 through 16. If you're looking for a scripture to read this week, Mark 14 to 16, and just unwrap that idea of the patience of God. And, and, And so in Mark 14 through 16, you just have Christ enduring attack after attack, physical, verbal, spiritual, and you see incredible patience. And in Mark 15, there's this line where, where Pilate is interrogating and questioning Jesus, and, and, and Jesus is just silent, as if he has a greater agenda through it all. And he's silent, and there's this line where it says, Pilate was amazed. He was amazed. What was he amazed at? That Jesus didn't know what to say? No, he was amazed at the patience, at the restraint, at the, the length of the fuse of Jesus who displayed great wisdom. Patience is also a sign of peace. Sign of peace. Sign of power, sign of wisdom, sign of peace. Proverbs fifteen eighteen says, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms quarrel. Did you ever hear the statement, cooler heads prevail? I, I, I was reading um, some H.A. Ironside, who's just this old school theologian who's got some incredible thoughts, and, and he was talking about patience, and specifically this proverb, and this is what he said. It just blew me away. It didn't, didn't even, I don't, I don't know how well it fits. I just, this is so good I had to say it, and, and so this is what he says on Proverbs Uh, Proverbs 15 there about the patient man calming a quarrel. He says, (coughs) a wrathful man, a man who's quick to anger, a wrathful man is by necessity a proud man. A wrathful man, a person, or a wrathful woman, a person quick to anger is by necessity a proud man. Otherwise, they would not be so easily stirred up by what gets to them. A wrathful man is a proud man. Otherwise, they would not be so easily stirred up by what gets to them. 
I read that, and I was just like, I, I just got to stop and realize the root of my impatience. That I'm that annoyed when things don't go my way the time that I want them to go my way. Patience is a sign of peace. Uh, 2007 study by Sarah Schnicker, who is uh, a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary, <coughs> she, she said that patient people tend to experience less depression, less negative emotions, because perhaps they can cope better with, with upsetting or stressful situations. You just become more peaceful because you're better at dealing with it because the fuse doesn't blow up. And the implication of those three is, is when patience is, is uh, a sign of power, when it's a sign of wisdom, when it's a sign of peace in your life, is that patience is a sign of influence. In Proverbs 25, 15, that through patience a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Patience has the influence to has the ability to influence even those of the highest status. Then remember that the next time you're stuck in the waiting room for an extra 45 minutes. That patience is a sign of wisdom, a sign of power, a sign of, a sign of peace, and a sign of influence. That by your character, you can demonstrate to the person who is late for an appointment with you, you, you can have an influence that's incredible. That, that the, the patience would allow you to have power which produces self-control because you have the wisdom to see that there's something bigger than whatever's going on here right, right now in front of me, that you would have the peace to be able to endure the, endure the agitation and that it would create an influence. And in Proverbs 25, what it says is that, that you have a gentle answer that can break a bone. In other words, that a gentle answer that results from a patience can break even the hardest resistance you face in life. We tend to think aggressive and, uh, aggressiveness and effort break down the things in front of us. What if patience does? What if patience is what we sorely lack? I think, I think we're patient people. I think we will be better friends. I think we will be better neighbors. I think we'll be better employees. I'm quite positive we will be better parents better grandparents, and better spouses. I think we could all become more patient. And I want us to hone in and focus on one specific challenge within that interpersonal patience. Because I think, by and large, that's the one that we, we crave to have the most influence and most change in, that interpersonal patience. And, um, and so here it is. Um, slow down with people. Slow down with people. The next thing that you could do is not more important than the person right in front of you. The other thing you could be doing is not more important than the little life you get to influence, than the big life that you're tired of being around. <laughs> it's not more important. Slow down. Do you remember when you took uh, driver's ed or when you had to study for your driver's class and, and they would give you certain scenarios that would be a warning that, that you better slow down because it might be dangerous. And I remember a couple years ago, I was driving down this road. It was a new road for me. And I came around the corner and, and I, I almost wrecked. And I was like, how did, how did, that, how did that happen? So uh, a week later, I was going down that path. Uh, I was going down that road and I slowed down because I knew that that was a dangerous spot. I slowed down and I was like, what, what happened? Like, what was it about this little turn that made it dangerous? And as I went slower, I, I mean, I went really slow because I really wanted to figure this out. Um, I, I realized like this, this was a hill 
turning as it got to the bottom with a spring running across with shaded there and, and so it created ice and, and as I slowed down, I saw glass all over the road right there where a number of cars had run into the same, same thing, quite literally. Um, but they had run into the same thing there where they didn't slow down. And what, what driver's ed tries to teach you is to slow down when it matters most. Proverbs teaches us. Paul teaches us. Jesus Christ on the cross teaches us. Slow down when it matters most. Slow down with your kids. Slow down with your coworkers. Slow down with the people that God has placed in your life to try and interact with, to, to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Slow down with people. And, and I'm guessing that patience will be a sign of wisdom, a sign of power, a sign of peace. And I'm guessing patience will show up with its influence in your life. I want to read, uh, read for you uh, what is uh, basically a paraphrase of the scripture that we read from the beginning. It's paraphrased by the same guy I quoted earlier, uh, Peter Arithi, or Daniel Arithia, who's, who's writing about how to convey this to a different culture, to, to an, another language if you're trying to translate this. And I just love the way that he summarized that text. And I just want to read it, then we're going to pray and worship team's going to come up. So here it is. But God showed his mercy to me. And he did this for the following reason. That through me, a person who has done more evil than anyone else, Christ Jesus might demonstrate how he would have patience with me no matter what I do. He was patient with me like this, so that others later would believe in him and live forever. God, I hope your patience never grows old with us. I hope we never consider it and are unimpressed by it. I hope we never hear a sermon about it and we think I've heard it before. Lord, I hope that we're humbled at the thought of your patience with us. And I pray, Lord, that it inspires us and it moves us to be patient with the people in our lives, to have a fuse that is long and to have a heart for them that is big. Father, I pray that patience would bring to us, it would bring power, it would bring wisdom, it would bring, it would bring influence, God, and it would bring peace. And we ask that in your son's name, amen.